What up, what up, what up? Welcome back into Like I Was Saying, where we are discussing this week the role of the influencer. Damn near everyone with an iPhone and a social media account thinks they are an influencer, posting links in their bio for booking info, which is always a Gmail email address. And who doesn't love a good promo code? Let's be real. Has anyone actually lost weight on tummy tea? And can you name five people who are currently wearing Fashion Nova jeans? I don't know anything about those two, but I know everyone has a promo code for them. A few weeks back, I actually learned there's an app called Like to Know It, where people post links and pictures. The clothes that they're wearing, they have a link to it. And if a follower clicks on the link and makes a purchase, then that influencer gets a cut of the sale. Everyone Right now, according to the Instagram page, is balling and getting paid to influence. I figure I, I had to find out if this was really true. So I got my guy, Brandon Edler. He's the content manager for the athletic retailer Finish Line to help me learn about this influencer hustle. We also discuss how he and Finish Line were able to get a national campaign with, honestly, some of the biggest influencers in the game right now, the Migos. Joined by Brandon Edler. Anything finish line, the shoe company does content-related wise, this guy has a hand in it. And um, you're like the first guest I've had on this show. We're not talking about sports, man. We're talking about the role of the influencer. I had no clue what the hell this was like three years ago. And now you can't escape it. No, you can't. And in all fairness, my grandmother still to this day has no idea what it means. So I just tell her I sell shoes for a living and that works real well. For your job, your company, how big how big of an influence is the influencer when you try to grow your campaign and you try to get, you know, your products, your stuff to market? I mean, it's, it's a solid chunk of it for sure. I think, you know, just the authentic part of it is the big piece. You know, everybody's so locked in on numbers, how many followers and all that, but people see through that stuff, especially to your point, it's been around three years now and you know, the millennials, the cell phone, smartphone generation, whatever you want to call that, like they can see through that stuff very quickly. So authenticity is the big key. And if you can really connect on that level, it can be a big push for you. Have you noticed now when people are doing marketing campaigns, they geared towards the influencer first, more so than a traditional TV commercial, a traditional radio commercial, a billboard, a bus sign, things that used to be marketing 101. Now they want the 19 year old who can get the eyes and get the traction. Yeah, I mean, I think just like anything else, you want to humanize it. You want to make that connection from person to person. And, you know, it's no different than when we grew up, you know, Michael Jordan was our influencer. And obviously that's the top level of influencer you can possibly get. Or Kim Kardashian. There you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're in a generation now or in a time period now where, you know, there's guys that are just creating stuff in Wyoming and they may not have been an athlete. They may not have been all these things, but they just are able to create this content that's so compelling to people. And, you know, as long as we have this, big space for people to be creative and do things and have a different perspective than what maybe you see from a corporate level or whatnot. You know, it's always a different angle and it's always a good look to have that kind of diversity. Are you shocked by the fact that it has taken off so much and that you are able to get traction and able to connect with consumers 
via the influencer? Yes and no. I mean, I think to a certain level, there's certain things that happen that just really surprise you, you know, being able to make that connection and seeing, you know, we've worked with people that three, four years ago, they had 10,000 followers. Um, you know, perfect example, Rachel Demita. I don't know if you've seen her before. She was actually in the ESPN Celebrity Basketball game the last few years. We worked with her when I first started back in 2014. And yeah, I think she had like 10,000 followers at that time. And now she's probably a quarter of a mil, if not more than that. I mean, it's just off the strength of like her having a good personality, her really being able to connect with people. And you look at that, she has more followers than certain NBA players. Like that, you know, I think to what you asked, like that's proof right there that it can go to a completely different level. For the people who are listening, how does one become an influencer? I is, is it as simple as... I'm going to post a viral video. Is it as simple as I'm going to post a picture in a bathing suit or with my shirt off and I'm working out? Like, how do you become an influencer? And then how do you monetize it? Yeah, I don't know if there's a perfect blueprint to get you from A to Z to be that person. But, you know, I think it's just, again, being a creative person, being able to feel, you know, that real passion towards whatever you're working towards. And then just, you know, being creative again like just being able to put something out there that people haven't seen before that maybe they don't have access to um you know it's it's tough it's it's a lot of intangibles too like you can't really sit down and just coach somebody through it well it's also a situation where many millennials and many people even older than that are trying to get into this yeah so if you want to become an influencer you're like hey i have x amount of followers i'm posting this kind of content but you're not standing out because three years ago less people were seeing this as a viable job yep. and now people they sit at home all day and they craft videos craft content yep yeah I mean it's they they hustle like you know guy we work with Jock Slade he's probably half a mil on YouTube maybe more than that another hundred thousand on Instagram he does like a lot of he was kind of one of the originators of the big like sneaker unboxing type thing that guy works his tail off. I mean, he's traveling all over the place. He's editing videos in hotel rooms. Like, I think that's the one aspect that people don't realize is somebody that's successful like him. Like, it's not just posting the picture and, you know, looking cool. Like, there's a lot of time and a lot of details that go into it. And that's why he's able to be on a different level than a lot of other people. I want to double back. You mentioned the word diversity. As you are now in this spot, do you take that conscientious effort of, I need to get influences and I need to get people in our brand who look like people in this America not necessarily people who look like your traditional basketball shoe wear your traditional running shoe wear your traditional athleisure yeah I don't know if I really approach it like that or our team does in general um I mean it would be a lie to say you're not remotely conscious of it but you know, it's not like we have a mandate of getting X amount of people in certain positions. It really just goes back to what feels authentic. Like, who are the people that we really feel are in this for the right reason? And, you know, from where I'm sitting, and I'm sure a lot of places are very different, but I want somebody who I feel like is doing it for the right reasons because they really were passionate about it and they wanted to turn it into something, you know, like any of us, you want to do something that you love for a living versus other people where it feels like they're just trying to get checks as fast as they can and I respect it. They want to get popularity. Do you feel like you encounter that too? Yes, 100%. Hit you up like, hey man, put me on. I'm trying to blow up. Hey man, I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to get that. Yep. And I mean, I get it. That's what everybody's trying to do on some kind of level, some kind of extent, no matter what your job is. But I think the most important thing is you know, when you're come to try to build something with somebody, what are you offering? Not what can you take from somebody else? And that's the big thing is 
let's figure out how we can build this synergy. Let's figure out how we can really connect and do something different than other people have done. Not, all right, I just want to put you on because you want to be put on kind of thing. That doesn't really do a whole lot for That's us. That's a quick way to get the hang up or the blocked yeah. email. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels like the cold call email from a vendor pretty much. Just <laughs> the, the equivalent of that. Uh, monetize. Let's be honest. Nobody does this for free. Yeah. How do influencers monetize it? I hear about, my girl tells me all the time, this person's making a million dollars off of a YouTube. And I'm like, there's no way in hell they make, unless you're Michelle Fon, baby girl who was selling the makeup a couple years back. Most YouTubers ain't clearing a million dollars. Are they, or am I just completely naive? No, for the most part, they're not. Also, that I think that whole part's just changed in general. Um, I'm not super, super close to that YouTube world, but... You know, I always hear that they're changing their algorithms too, and it changes how people monetize off things and whatnot. But yeah, there's a lot of people in that world from the outside looking in, you think everything's going well, but a lot of them are struggling to, you know, make ends meet, just like a lot of people with normal jobs. The people that really, really monetize off of it, like those are the people with quarter million followers, stuff like that. Um, or you just have such a good relationship with a brand or an agency that they're constantly coming back to. And I'd say that's the biggest thing is just trying to find something consistent that you can continuously build on and then other places see that. And I think that makes them very interested in being involved with you. My issue with the whole YouTube thing is, or the whole influencer thing, and once again, I'll admit, you've known me long enough. I can sound like the old dude. I'll admit, I can sound like an old man from time to time. Yo, call me when one of these cats is getting a 401k and retiring off of being an influencer. It's a, it's a short lifespan for a career, no? It is, it is for sure. And I mean, it's just like anything else too. There's gonna be a certain level of people that achieve things that the large majority of people won't be able to do. I mean, any jobs like that, there's only so many top spots at the top. Um, but there are definitely people that are doing very, very, very <laughs> well off of it. I mean, there's definitely, especially being out in Los Angeles, like, you know, getting to go to some of the like, Nike, Jordan, Adidas events, you see these people with millions of YouTube and Instagram followers and pulling up in an $80,000 car kind of thing like that. You know, yeah, you can definitely do that, but it, it's very rare. I mean, just like anything else, like if it were that easy, wouldn't everybody be doing it? So these people who are showing up, I mean, are they showing up at all times with a selfie stick? Hey, look at me at this Nike event. Is it one of those? Because that would get old quickly. Sometimes. And I get it. I'm, I mean, I'm just a shy person in general like that. Like, it's very rare for me to ever post a photo of, you know, myself, period, let alone like a selfie or whatnot. But I mean, it is, you know, like, you know, you're, you're a sports broadcaster. Like, I'm sure you've had to frame yourself up and shoot your own shots a million times and stuff like that. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, and you gotta strip away what it really is. Like, they kind of are doing the same thing that like, sports reporter you know it's just they're reporting on something different it's just a different point it's of view just it's like a different... paparazzi exactly or, TMZ or whatever so yeah i mean they definitely have to do stuff like that and i get it and i've asked them a million times i'm like you know do you ever like feel weird when you're like walking around in new york city with a thousand people around you and you're just recording yourself and they're like yeah for a minute but then you get over it just like anything else like yeah that creeps me out man like i feel like there was an episode of atlanta that mocked it i can't remember the specific one but I definitely feel like they were mocking like the, yo, it was the episode in season one when the dude uh, was trying to get, you watch Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was trying to get Paperboy and he was like the pizza truck driver. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what it reminds yeah. me of. Every time I think about these influencers, yeah. I, I think about that episode and I'm like, yo, dude, you're annoying the hell out of me right now. Yeah. 
No, I mean, I can definitely get that. And I mean, I think we've all been out with our girls before where they get a little bit extra with the content and the phones and stuff like that. And I mean, that's just how it is. You still love them anyways. And, you know, we're so grateful for these people to, you know, a lot of the people we work with, I can't speak for other brands, like they're like family. Like they really genuinely care what's going on, like whether it's your personal life or what's going on at work. Like we all stay very connected and we build a lot with each other. And, you know, a lot of people that we work with, if there's opportunities to get them some exposure in other places. And I think that's the big thing is like, you know, going to the whole like using and that connotation around the word using people. Like we all use each other. It's when you misuse people. And I think that's the big thing is as long as we're all building with each other and we're not misusing each other, it is a great thing. I mean, it's some of my favorite line of work that we do for sure. Even though, you know, there are a lot of things around it that kind of give it a bad name, but it, it's just how it is one of your relationships amigos yes so this is a totally different version of the influencer this is this is the influencer everyone has expected i mean back when run dmc were rapping about my adidas um how did that come about like how did you and finish line link up with arguably the biggest rap group out right now well i actually have to give the credit to somebody else on our team his name's max mandel um he is the our top brand manager for the company. So a lot of what his role involves is working with the brands directly on, you know, who can we get access to? What does that look like money-wise, et cetera? And he, myself and him were actually hustling to get Chance the Rapper in 2016. And I mean, we just couldn't get it to happen. Every time we would get the money where we needed, you know, all of a sudden he's on the cover of Complex. All of a sudden he's got a guest verse on this song. All of a sudden he's in a Twix or Kit Kat commercial. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden he's singing at the White House and it's like, so we were chasing it like that for a long time. While all this is going on though, we're doing a lot of other one-off campaigns with Adidas and quality control artists. So we did something with Yachty, we did something with Rich Homie Kwan and Coach K is just the greatest man. Like that guy knows how to make stuff happen. So Max and Coach K are just chopping it up like crazy, trying to figure something out. And it was a long process, but, you know, he was able to really get the details where it needed to be to where it made sense for everybody. And I mean, it's been an amazing situation for us ever since. It's been a campaign that if you follow Finish Line on social media, a very heavy Instagram blitz, very heavy uh, on your website as far as promoting quality videos. I know you were there for some of the shoots. What's it like to work with Takeoff, Quavo, and Offset? I mean, they're good. They're. I think there's always going to be the stigma of like music artists being a handful or whatever to deal with at times, especially somebody of that caliber of greatness. Like they're just on top of the world right now. But you know, I give them credit. Like they're on a schedule. Like they're up at a certain point every day. They start cooking music, then they start doing shoots, you know, whatever, and then they're back cooking music at the end of the day. Like you know, just reading. Quavo posted the other day, they did walk it, talk it in a hotel room in South Africa at 6 a.m. Like those guys really grind hard. So when we're on set, there's no shenanigans or anything like they're just there doing what they need to do. They're great about it. You know, they're, you know, especially Quavo, he's very good about his input of what he thinks it should look like. Our creative director, JD, and our associate creative director, um, Amy, they do a great job of helping get that vision where it needs to be. And, you know, our last spot that we just did, it's called the Bodega, one that came out around Air Max Day. It also features um, Caleb from Stranger Things. Like, everything just came so great together on that shoot. And, you know, if we can put, like, a link in the description or something like that so people can check it out. We're actually about to get part two of that. We'll actually 
air Saturday, the 12th or 13th of April. I don't know the dates off the top of my head, but so we got a lot of really good stuff coming down the road for that. Too. It's so interesting because you're talking about it as if it's a movie. It will air. And that's where we are now with our social media campaign. Well, this is going to be featured on TNT during the playoffs as well. So this will physically like air on TV too. That's amazing. I didn't even know that you all had a tie-in. I knew Migos were singing Stir Fry yeah. as part of the All-Star game. I did, And I knew they sung Stir Fry in your collaborative video you put out on social media. I had no clue that it you know, it was a finish line, TNT, Migos. I didn't, I didn't know it all came together. Well, this is the first time we've been back on TV in like over a decade, I think. And it actually happened. So we were, we had a commercial spot air on um, MLK Day when the Cavs and the Warriors were playing each other. And if anybody caught that, they were actually on TNT for that. And it all started just off of a very organic idea. Quavo wanted to donate some shoes back to his old high school basketball team. So we have my boy Mosh, who is the customizer of all customizers. He does, you know, WWE people, NFL players, NBA players. He did the LeBron South Beach 15s that were just on a couple of weeks ago. He does everything. So we all linked up. We did this shoe. And then it went so viral on there. We just, we had to put it on TV. Like, it was just doing so great. It's like, if we don't continue to get this visibility, we're not getting the most out of the scenario. And where does it go now? Where does this industry go now, you've obviously now breaking it back into television. You said right there, we, you, we haven't done it. We didn't need to. So now, are we going to a situation where influencers are commercial properties that it can air on you know, a TV, a playoff ad? Not necessarily Migos, but just your generic influencer. I mean, if the content's strong enough, I think it, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter the followers or the notoriety that they may have. Obviously, that makes the decision a lot easier, but... You know, our theory from day one's always been if the content's good, people are going to see it and it's going to get where it needs to get. doesn't mean that we can't do a better job of getting more eyes on the stuff that we do. But, I mean, we really feel that way. If it's strong enough, if we really believe in it, you know, it's going to do what it needs to do. And we've been pretty fortunate that we've had a lot more hits than misses. You're a, you're a content creator yourself. Obviously, you used to write, people are listening now, you used to write for Complex. You're a very big sneaker writer. In a previous life, I know yeah. you don't do much of it now. Um, top five shoes coming out in your rotation right now. Top five shoes in my rotation right now. Right now, I said coming out, which was no, a yeah, thing exactly to say. right. Um, man, I really don't change it up as much as I used to, but I would say, you know, always a solid color ultra boost, probably the triple black. That's like my go-to, just because when you're running around a lot, it matches everything. It's a comfortable shoe. It looks great. Um, the Cause Black Jordan 4s, those are unbelievable. I actually technically don't have them yet. My boy Chris Elliott, what up Chris? Um, he's working on those for me right now. I should have them next week, hopefully. Um, John Elliott Vandals that Nike did, those are amazing. John Elliott's just the best, period. I really love those. Um, the, let's see, what else have I been wearing a lot? Yeah, we got the four. That's four? Yeah. All right, so I I'm said gonna... five. Um, I would probably say the fifth one that I wear a lot, the Yeezy 350 Zebras. That's just a clean shoe, too, with some light denim and a hoodie. Like, that's just, I mean, that's like the streetwear uniform, basically. It looks really good, though. I am shocked you did not say the Nike Air Monarch. Yeah, I can't do the dad shoe. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what. Braun posted the other day. Yeah. He was rocking a pair. Yeah, I, they're, they're big. I get it. I see why people like they're it. They're $54. That's why people like them. But my dad wears Monarchs, man. Me and my dad can't wear the same shoe. They it sell them in Rack happen. Room. They sell those shoes in Rack Room. That's cool. I mean, I like them. I get why people buy them. I see it. I just can't I wear the same shoe as my dad. I don't. Well, you are an old man, so you should be the first person co Right, Chucks. <laughs> Chucks. 
Chucks, Ultra Boost, Jordans, uh, and Cole Haan. Shout out Cole Haan. Most of the time when I work and wear a suit, that's what I'm wearing. Cole Haan, better cut him that check. You know what? We take advertisers here on Like I Was Saying. Um, yo, thank you for joining us. Episode 5. You're my fifth guest. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. This, this sure as hell lasted longer than I thought it would. Let's see if I can make it through the NBA playoffs. Double up. As always, thanks for listening. Hit me up, Jason Spells, on Twitter and IG. NBA playoffs start this weekend. We get back-to-basketball convos on the next episode of Like I Was Saying. Never did it for the fame, never did it for the game. When I picked up the mic, it made my whole world change. Started back in my bedroom with a double cassette.